A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is uh, sort of a special edition with Cole Stratton in the house. Hi, Cole. Hey, great to be back. Uh, Not sort of a special edition. It's really a special edition because here's how this came out uh, or came about. I was looking at your Facebook uh, feed. It popped up on my in front of my eyeballs, and I saw that you were putting together a list of 100 lesser known movies. And I immediately chimed in and said, well, man, we got to we got to get you on the show and let's talk about this. Yeah, basically, like I was kind of thinking about it because, you know, I was kind of running out of things to watch in a sense that I'm just trying to find new stuff even to me initially. So every time I looked on the Internet for a list of like movies to watch or whatever, they're almost all like the same. They're all like Blade Runner and like things that (laughs) we're all aware of. Yeah, good so, movie. <laughs> yeah, great movie. But, you know, I just anybody who, you know, likes movies a bit has seen 95% of those things that they're listing. Yeah. So my thought was like, well, there's a lot of movies out there that didn't quite get the recognition when they're in the theaters or they had a weird distribution or it's just a little film that kind of found legs later or never did. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be handy to put together a list of those. Um so I kind of asked on Facebook if people would even be interested in reading it because I didn't want to put the time in if no yeah. one gave two shits. But people seemed to be enthusiastic about it. So People gave I many did. shits. They did. And many <laughs> suggestions, which I was like, kind of not what I was asking. But <laughs> Oh, interesting. I didn't look. I did not suggest anything. Uh, and I even thought about it because I have a go-to little-known movie that I always will guide people toward. And I was like, this is Cole's List. Which, you know, some of them, like, 
I had already kind of figured out what the list was, but people were still commenting, and I would just kind of write, like, one of those is on there. Like, I wasn't going to go back sure. and change anything. Yeah, um, yeah. And I also, like, because the main thing was being able to watch them at home, I did, I looked up where they were all streaming and listed them next to each title so people could check them out. And then so helpful. things that were on the list, there was, like, another 20 movies that would have been on the list that just weren't streaming anywhere. So I just right. didn't include them, which is kind of a bummer, but there's still plenty of stuff. So what we end up with, everyone, is is a public service uh, here during pandemic lockdown where if you think you're running out of things, <laughs> you can just go to colestratton.com. Uh, like I, I go straight to that link now just because I've seen it so many times in my browser history. But how do you navigate it from colestratton.com? At first, I wasn't sure where I wanted to house this thing because I knew it would be pretty long because as I was writing it up, each thing gets like a paragraph write up and stuff. It was like 26 pages on my Word doc or whatever. So I was trying to figure out where I could land. I was like, oh, my website has a blog on it, even though I don't really blog anymore on it. But I would just put it there. So what I would do is you can go to colestratton.com. Just click on blog when you get to the main navigation and it will be the first thing up. Um, also it looks great. follow me on any socials I've linked to them. So Facebook yeah. or Twitter or, um, Instagram, you can find a link to them there pretty early on in my feeds. Yeah. It looks fantastic. You did a really good job. Like you can tell this took a lot of work, a lot of effort. And, uh, I'm glad that, that we're getting it out there to a, a bit of a larger audience, the movie crushers at least. Yeah. I figured they'd have a lot of interest. So thank you for covering it. Of course. Uh, and so we, we kind of went back and forth on the best way to do this because we can't talk about a hundred movies because that would be like four episodes. So what we settled on, uh, you're kind enough to go with my idea, which was I would put together like 10 or 12 movies from the list that I love. And we kind of briefly chat about them and then 10 or 12 that piqued my interest that I have not seen. And you could chat about those and sell me. And then just a kind of a handful of others that I guess honorable mentions that I like. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of these that I haven't seen. So well done. Yeah. That was the thing is I wasn't sure what people would have seen. And most people were up back. I think the most people had seen was like 50 of them, like kind of half or whatever. Oh, One wow. guy I know who's like a super filmmaker. So he's seen like 90, but other than that, <laughs> it had been like, it's pretty low for people. And they were kind of like surprised. They thought they were just going to kind of know everything. So I'm glad that hopefully they find some new favorites by checking them out. Yeah. And, and, uh, when we're done here at the end too, if there are a few more that you want to shout out to that you feel, you know, need a shout, then we can do that too, of course. Cool. So we're going to get going here. Uh, and these are not ranked. Uh, they're just listed alphabetically. But, yeah. Yeah. Alphabetically. So up top, I have the movie blue ruin, uh, boy, Jeremy, uh, Sol- how do you pronounce that? Solnier? Solnier, I think such a good movie. Yeah, he uh, it kind of launched a bit of a niche uh, indie career for him because he did mm-hmm. green, green Room afterwards, which I can't bring myself to watch because I've heard. It's oh, just, you haven't seen it? No, it's just intensely brutal. But it's um, so good. I know that's what I've heard. I haven't watched it yet. And he did, they did a third one with make that Macon Blair wrote that takes place like in the wilderness. I can't remember the title of it, but um, you could tell by that by this movie that there was like something great in him as a filmmaker and his partnership with Macon Blair who starred in it. Yeah. And wrote it himself was awesome. too. Yeah. It's just, it's such a good thriller. Um, and a basic, you know, the plot is very basic in yeah. a sense. It's literally like, uh, he's a drifter. Uh, the, his parents were murdered 20 years previously. And the guy who got out or did it, got out. And then it's just a tale of revenge that spirals out of control after that. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Uh, I love a good revenge movie. 
I love a good indie kind of slow burn thriller. Uh, this is all those, all those things. It's just, there was something about it. It was just had this special quality. Um, very tense, very taut. Uh, and, and, and you just, you're not sure what's going to happen next, which is like the perfect quality in a thriller, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's tense and taut, but it's not uncomfortably so. No, no, not at all. Which I think is good because there's some movies that just put me on edge so much I can't watch them. And not necessarily, I mean, for me, it's one more so when people are embarrassed. Like, I don't like embarrassment humor. Like, I just have a hard, cringy things, I just have a hard time watching. Yeah. But um, in general, like, if things are just too taut in a sense that you're just like, oh, come on, like, you're waiting for somebody to jump out of the shadows. Like, I don't love that. But this is just so well done. It's such a slow burner, but it's never boring. And it kind of yeah. just gets under your skin. It's totally worth watching. Yeah. And making Blair is just awesome. I keep waiting for him to kind of blow up in a bigger way, but I'm not sure that he will or maybe he wants to. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, it's weird because he has this big, bushy beard. Yeah. And like, it's just, if you ever see him without it, it just looks like a totally different dude. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think he he's directing now too. Didn't he direct something, or was that the third movie you were talking about? I think he he definitely Jeremy directed that, he, but okay. Macon wrote it. But I think he is starting to direct and things too. But That's he's great. definitely something who's awesome. Good stuff. Blue Ruin, check it out. Uh, you can find that. Well, just go to the the blog to see where you can find it. I'm not going to read all these. <laughs> yeah, there's a kind of a pretty, I kind of included everything that was listed. And all, most of this came from justwatch.com, which you just type in a title and it'll show you where it is. So some things I'm sure will update or change because streaming services change. And like the Peacock launched when I was like three quarters of the way through this. Oh, so, Peacock. So a couple at the end have Peacock <laughs> listed, but I didn't go back through the other ones and add Peacock right. if they're on there. But yeah, you can always check there for the most up-to-date things if you can't find it. Uh, all right. So the next one, you know what, let's maybe let's go back and forth with movies I haven't seen. So uh, the first one on my list, and I can't believe I haven't seen it because I love Westerns and I love Ed Harris. is a movie called Appaloosa. Yeah, it's really good. Ed Harris wrote it, directed it, stars in it. And I put my thing catered it probably. Um, <laughs> it's it's really good. I, I love Westerns. I know people are pretty like torn on them. Um, and I don't love all Westerns, but I generally like them. And there's quite a few Westerns made appearances on this list, which I was surprised by, but, but not at the same time, because I knew I liked Westerns, but, um, it's, it's good, good combination of being character driven, but also some good, exciting spurts of action. Um, and they're done more realistic, which I like. I prefer it when the shootouts don't feel like crazy staged and they feel like they happen in real time or, yeah. um, and that it's it's also sort of a slow burn in a sense too because Jeremy Irons is like you know the villain of the piece and he's great a rancher cast. and yeah the cast is fantastic and um, Vigo's great and I'm, I'm I always think Vigo's good but I never like oh Vigo but in this movie I was like oh yeah Vigo okay it's it's great um, yeah it's really great if you like westerns and uh, I definitely recommend it. Have you seen um, Captain Fantastic? I just watched that like a month or two ago. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah, it's really good. That was one I missed that everybody kept telling me I should see. So I finally got around to it. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, who else is in that? Renee Zellweger. Um, of course, it's a Western. So Lance Einrichsen's in it. Yep. He's got to be. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the rule. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else. There's, it's all great character actors. Um, James Gammon, um, who I love. He was, you know, the coach in Major League and. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I got to work with him once when back when I was acting in San Francisco. I was on Nash Bridges a couple times, and oh, one, one time I was in the B storyline, and that was with James Gammon, who plays his grandfather. And like, I was a huge fan of him just because he's in so many. He's a great character actor in so many westerns. He's in some dove, all sorts of stuff. Silverado. 
and I just kind of shot the shit with him. I think it was, it was March. So we were talking March Madness and Michigan State was good at the time. I uh-huh. remember that. But still, it was just like such a pleasure. And then he died like a year later. Oh, wow. But Man, that amazing. is so cool. Yeah. I don't know that I would have been able to work with him without saying, uh, can you please say, you may run like Hayes, but you hit like shit. <laughs> nice catch, Hayes. <laughs> don't ever fucking do it again. Such a great movie. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, you know we're going to have to do like sports movies at some point. I know we've talked about it, but yeah, I that, love that will come along. All right. The next one on my list that I love is a, a movie from 2005 uh, set in France from director Michael uh, Haneke. I think that's how you pronounce it. I've heard it many different ways, but I have. And how do you that. pronounce the movie? Is it cachet? <laughs> uh, that's I, what I would say. I don't. Uh, I'm so I'm not good with the French, but <laughs> it is a thriller. Um, if you've never seen any of his films before, you should because they are uh, fully and wholly unique. Um, he's a very uh, he's just a very unique director. He locks the camera down. He lets these scenes play out over long periods of time, um, and he's just. I don't know. He seems he has a knack for getting under your skin, under the skin of a viewer. He also does similar to what like Ozu does, because Ozu's stuff is super boring a lot. But he does a thing where like it will be very kind of slow character and then something shocking will just happen. Right. It's the same so that it makes the shocking thing even more shocking because it didn't ramp up to it. It just occurs. And there's definitely moments of that in this movie, too, that are like, what what just happened? Um, and it, it's really, it builds really, really well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but the overall, if you're interested in, uh, seeing it, the overall plot is that a family starts getting videotapes of themselves in the mail. And that is like, just, it's kind of all you need to say. It's right such a there, great, that's creepy and should be enough to bring you in. <laughs> yeah. And it also features one of the best last shots in a movie ever, I think. Yeah. And also, this was made in 2005, so you have to think that the culture of everybody recording themselves wasn't as prevalent then. So, you know, everybody's got their cameras on now taking video, but the fact that these little recordings would show up of them and when at a time when things weren't, there weren't Nest cameras and everything. Yeah, like someone had a video camera. (laughs) Right, exactly. So it's, it's pretty rad. All right, next movie that I have not seen is City of Ember. Yeah, it's a fun uh, – it's based on some young adult novels, I believe. Um, and it's – Gil Keenan did it, who did Monster House and a bunch of other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good world building. It's it's a fantasy thing where it takes place in the future and humanity has moved underground. Um, and the two teens are the leads, Saoirse Ronan and Harry Treadway. She's and so great. Yeah, she's really good. And this is early, so it's young Saoirse, uh-huh. um, which took me the longest I'd realized that was Saoirse seeing it typed out. Um her, her name. A-S-A-O-I-R-I. Oh, yeah, totally. For the longest yeah. time, I'm like, what is it? How do I pronounce that? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's got a like character actor who's who. Bill Murray plays an eccentric mayor who's really fantastic in it. And then all these people keep popping up that you're like, you know, Tim Robbins, Toby Jones, Martin Landau, Mary Kay Place, Mackenzie Amazing. Crook, Marianne Jean-Baptiste. It's really good. And it's the, the the world building is fantastic and it's a family movie. So you can kind of watch it with anybody. Oh, cool. All right. I'm going to check that out. She's just so great. I'll see anything she's in. Yeah. She's wonderful. Uh, all right. Movie. I love, uh, my third pick is the movie hostiles. Uh, it's a, it's a Western, another Western that I don't know, somehow just, it seemed to fly under the radar a bit. I saw it on a plane and then did it the service of watching it again. 
because you know how plane experiences can be. And I was yep. like, I really want to see this at home on like a really nice uh, big TV. And boy, I, I just thought it was fantastic. I watched it at like an AMC as a matinee by myself because uh-huh. I knew like I, my wife was probably not be too excited about it because she's just so so on westerns, and um, I just thought it looked really good and it's shot beautifully. It's really dark. It's it's a very bleak movie. Yeah. Um, almost, I like a bleak western though. Yeah, it's super bleak, um, but the performances are great. Christian Bale, you see his transformation as yeah, you know, going from a guy who absolutely hates 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 the you know West Studio and the people that he's he's trans- taking across country to learning to understand one another. Um, but to me, the real star of this was Rosamund Pike. Um, who man, she was good. Oh man, it. And I mean, it starts out with her in a very kind of like, oh, this is what we're in store for beginning. Um, but she's just on, in top form here. Like, that's, it's so impressive. Yeah, she's really, uh, I think, just now kind of getting cranking with uh, the career. Like, I think there's an Oscar in her future once everyone realizes how great she is. Totally. And Timothy Chalamet's in it. If you're Timothy Chalamet head, yeah. check that out. We all are. That That's handsome right. little guy. And Ben Foster, who is just one of my favorite, favorite actors. He's fantastic. He pops up on this list several times. I believe I realized it as I was writing him up like, oh, another Ben Foster performance. Yeah, that's no accident. He and Scoot McNary, I think, pop up the most on this list because they're just oh, always in great. these cool indie films. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, all right, number three, or the, the next pick for a movie I haven't seen, Critical Care. Tell me about it. Yeah, so it's Sidney Lumet, who I think is, he's like my second favorite director behind Frankenheimer. I think he's just one of the most amazing yeah. uh, filmmakers ever. And he would release movies every couple of years that weren't necessarily big mainstream movies. And a lot of them, you know, fell below the radar, including this one when it came out. It was like late 90s, 97, I believe. Look at his and cast, though. That's crazy. It, the cast is nuts. And at the time, that cast didn't seem as nuts. But when you look at it now, yeah, it's just point. crazy. But it's like a it's a dark comedy, um, and it's also very dramatic. So it kind of shifts tones a lot, but not in a way that I think is distracting. Uh-huh. Um, Albert Brooks just steals every scene he's in, but yeah, of he kind of always does. But he just kind of plays the head administrator at the hospital who's just looking about his budget, budget, budget. All the time, and he's just hilarious. Dr. Butts, I think, is his name. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but James Spader's the main guy, and it mostly follows a family. Th- their dad is basically like a vegetable. He's comatose, and they're trying to fight over whether they should pull the plug or not because there's mm-hmm. a big inheritance on the line. And so it's like Kira Sedgwick versus Margot Martindale as those two. But it's just it's killer. Like Helen Mirren is there, and Bancroft, yeah. Jeffrey Wright. Amazing. Edward Herman, Philip Bosco, um, Wallace Shawn. I mean, it's just, it's stacked. And I know people are pretty split on it because I don't think they knew what they were expecting, but I think it's a pretty beautiful little film. All right. I'm going to see all these, by the way. Cool, it's cool. not just uh, podcast fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, movie I love. The next one is In Bruges. Um, this one, uh, you know, I think it it managed to break out enough among people who love movies but still wasn't some big hit or anything. Like I think deservedly on the list of underseen, um, just fantastic, fantastic movie. And maybe my favorite thing that I've uh, ever seen with uh, Colin, what's Farrell. His face? Colin Farrell. Yeah. It's his best. I think it's just his best performance. It totally reminded me like, Oh, like this guy's amazing. 
because he kind of got into like kind of shitty blockbuster movies for a while. And you started yeah. in Tigerland, which is a nice indie film too from Schumacher. Um, but this to me was just like, oh, he's super charming and adept with the language. And you can kind of see it from this point on because like he shows up in The Gentleman, that new guy, uh, let's just say it's his movie. Yeah. Um, so like, I, yeah, I love him in it. I think he's just, he and Brendan Gleeson just play so well off of each other. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson's is a, a treasure. And uh, this is a movie you may want to take advantage of the subtitle feature to really get it all. Yeah, it's pretty thick brogues uh, half the time. <laughs> and the language, it's, you know, Martin McDonough wrote and directed it. He was a playwright. He did, like, Cripple of Inishman and a bunch of other stuff. Um, so it's got, like, a play-like feel to it mm-hmm. in terms of the dialogue, but it also still feels like a movie. Because sometimes when they, like, do f- – plays it just feels like a filmed play it's very static or whatever but this is super dynamic bruges is like a fairy tale town they say that quite often um so it's beautiful to look at too and it's just yeah it's just killer and um ray fine's just like he's great he's he's only in it for like a third of it but he just completely (laughs) like dominates every scene he's in yeah he's awesome uh it's about a couple of hitmen kind of laying low in bruges which is in belgium Uh, so if you're into dark comedy uh, hitman movies. This is one of the best. Yeah, agreed. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, let me see here. What do we got next? We got a movie I haven't seen called Hearts Beat Loud. I don't know how – I don't know about this movie because it's got some people that I love in it. Yeah, it came out I think like two years ago. What was it? 2018, yeah. So it was one of those things I was playing at the Landmark here. I didn't even really know about it. But mm-hmm. I saw – you know, as soon as I'll just check to see what was playing. And I was like, oh, Nick Offerman, cool, Kiersey Clemens. She's really good. I'll check it out. And it's just like this nice, sweet indie film that's uh, shot like in Red Hook – area of uh of new york and um it's basically a father daughter tale because they kind of bond through music even though uh-huh. they don't have that much in common anymore and she's about to go off to college and their uh, his wife had died you know years before so he's kind of by himself and he's he's he owns a vinyl record shop and he's faced with closing it down forever so he's transitioning in life she's transitioning in life and it's sort of her becoming who she's going to be and him trying to embrace the changes in his life and how they end up kind of bonding together and saying farewell and, you know, not farewell over music and stuff. It's really a beautiful little movie. Yeah. It sounds super sweet. Yeah. And the soundtrack's really good too. They play some of the music live and stuff. And, um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I got to check it out. Tony Collette. She's yeah. one of the best out Ted, there. Ted Danson plays a bartender. He's back to being Sam Malone. <laughs> nice. So yeah, wow. I really, I really enjoyed it. And Jeff Tweedy shows up if you like Wilco. Love Wilco. I read, uh, are you into Wilco? I am. Yeah. Did you read his book? I have not. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, if you like Jeff Tweedy, you will love him after you read the book. It's just, it makes, uh, he's just a likable guy. Very upfront about his faults as a human, which is endearing. Nice. I'll have to check that out. I love him. Uh, all right. Movies. I love, um, a little indie film and I know people on this, uh, that listen to the show are tired of me harping about the indie films of the 1990s, <laughs> but uh, a movie called living in oblivion that was pretty instrumental film for me uh, from 1995, sort of one of the, one of the greats in a slew of great indie films from the early to mid nineties. Yeah. I think this movie more than anything else encapsulates the nineties indie movie like Movement. Totally. Um, and that time was big for me, too, because, you know, I started in college in 94 and I worked at indie video stores for, you know, 10 years after that. So me too. <laughs> to me, this was like, you know, we had sections for Tom DeShillo and people like that. And um, it's so good. It's a little inside baseball in a sense that, yeah. you know, it goes in deep into the filmmaking process for indie films and stuff. But you don't need to know anything about filmmaking. It's super funny. 
Um, and I heard that uh, James LaGrosse character, who's like one of the lead guy, who's way over the top actor, uh-huh. or like egotistical yeah. stuff, <laughs> was basically based on Tom DeShillo's first film, Johnny Swade, with Brad Pitt. Oh. So he's a, based on Brad Pitt's behavior, I guess, at that time. Yeah. So uh, knowing that, maybe like look at it in a slightly different way when I rewatched it. Yeah, good stuff. And and just a murderer's row of of indie film actors from back then. Uh, Steve Buscemi, who at the time was still, you know, not not uh, a big star like he is now. Um, Kevin Corrigan, who's always just been one of my favorites. So good, yeah. He's wonderful. I love him in everything. And you got Dinklage, so you can't oh, go wrong right. there. Oh, that's right. And that's yeah. a pretty pretty funny sequence. Um, that was early early Dinklage. Yeah, early Dinklage, yeah. He also appeared on Safe Men on my list too, right around that same time, which is another like little movie that no one saw, but is really funny. And Station Agent, which we'll get to. That's true. I think that's one of my shout outs. It is. Oh no, that's actually on my list. Um, so the next one I haven't seen is a movie called The Rover. Yeah. So I found when I was making this list, I ended up with a bunch of kind of Australian westerns, or this or the equivalent of. They're not quite westerns, but they have that outback desert feel to a lot of yeah. them. And um, the rover is David Michaud, who did um, Animal Kingdom, which I thought about putting on this list, but I feel I like I haven't seen people, that either. Oh, you should see Animal Kingdom. Watch that before you watch the rover, honestly. Um, but, you know, Jackie Weaver is on for an Oscar for that movie and stuff, and it kind of felt like it broke out enough to not put it on this list, though I would easily have put it on. Um, so this one is basically, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic kind of western-y thing uh-huh. where um, – Guy Pierce is kind of traveling throughout the the outback, and um, he's just, basically he's just trying to find the gang that stole his car. That's all you really know. Um, and he ends up kind of tracking them down. And one of the gang, played by Robert Pattinson, um, he has an intellectual disability, um, and so they kind of pair up together to kind of go on this journey together. And Robert Pattinson is like so good in it, and it's the movie that literally made me go like, oh wait, he can really act. He's not. Yeah just uh edward cullen like he's got some yeah chops. man he's i talk about him a lot has any actor in recent memory shed their previous skin more so than he has as far as like kind of being twilight guy and then almost everything he does now is just amazing yeah i mean i I'm, i can't think of anybody else but like i feel like he's just made such good choices that were yeah of and i don't know if like he just has, has a really good manager helping to guide his career or if he's just like really finicky about what he does but yeah um like good time is really good too that could have been on this list amazing um and i think he's just been picking really interesting projects that aren't necessarily mainstream he's not doing these big budget movies he's doing these indie flicks that yeah he's to show off what a good actor he actually is well i think yeah it feels like a purposeful shedding of edward cullen and uh i assume he made a boatload of money uh with those movies and you know, he's he's not doing the one for them, one for me. He's like three for them and then like 12 for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. He fully just did that whole series. And then now he's just whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Um, oh, and Scoot McNary's in it too. So it's a Scoot sighting. <laughs> so there you sighting. Go. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening and you don't know who Scoot McNary is, just Google him. You'll recognize his face. One of the great indie character actors. Uh, he pops up all over the place, it seems like, yet is still sort of unknown, you know. And one of the best names in Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I love it so much. Uh, all right, movie I love, uh, Local Hero. Oh, it's just magic. Yeah, I saw this one way back then, um, 
And what year was it? I'm trying to find it on your list now. I think it's 83. Yeah. yeah so I did 83. I didn't see it in 83, but I definitely saw it in the 80s. Somehow it had to have been on HBO or something. Yeah. And before I really understood uh, sort of smaller, quirky indie films like this, I watched it and it struck a chord with me. I didn't know how to talk about it yet, but I love this movie from the first time I saw it when I was like 14 or 15 years old. It's one that my dad introduced me to. It's one of his favorite movies. So um, my dad's dream initially was to like get a VC, like have all the movies he could get. And then VCRs were invented. So he bought one of those top loaders that was yeah. <laughs> crazy expensive. And it sounds like an <laughs> aircraft carrier when it rewinds things. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he really swears about this movie. So we definitely watched it a lot around the house um, in the eighties. And uh, I've just grown to love it. We did at Sketchfest two years ago, we did uh, anniversary screening with Peter Reed. Oh, Reeder. no way. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. And it was actually pretty well attended. I just wasn't sure, like, what the populace would be <laughs> towards this movie, but people really yeah. enjoyed it. And it's just it's just a beautiful little movie. And the score, Mark Knopfler's score is just fantastic. Yeah. I'm a big Dire Straits guy, so it really it really hits me in all the right places. And it's, it's honestly, I think it's like the godfather of, like, little town eccentric people movies. You know what I mean? It's just such yeah. authentic like, little Hamlet people. It feels like one of the first, I, I don't I mean, I think local hero might've started this trend because I feel like I've seen a, a, quite a few movies like this where, and the, and the plot of this movie is there's a, uh, an oil company guy, Burt Lancaster, who, you know, it's great seeing him in his older age, yeah. uh, sends a guy to Scotland to um, and that's Peter Riegert to sort of check out this town because he wants to put a a refinery there and uh, and he gets charmed by the locals and I feel like I've seen a lot of movies that kind of dance around the same sort of vibe and I feel like Local Hero might have started it. I think so too. Yeah, and like this one was a little different in the sense that like you think it's going to be he goes there and all the villagers are like no we love our Hamlet but they all want to sell save yeah. for one and that's what the hang up is. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's just gorgeous, and uh, the northern lights play a role in this, and a scene that's just like it just floors you. Um, it's so so good. Great movie, check it out. Um, all right, the next one on the list of movies I haven't seen, and this one has been on my list. It's not one that flew under my radar because my friend actually, I think he was a product, you know, uh, the UPM um, for Leave No Trace. Uh, he also did Knives Out, and he's he's kind of got like a, a nice resume under his belt at this point. Nice. But I did not see Leave No Trace yet, but it's happening soon. It's really, really good. It's um, Ben Foster, <laughs> as, yeah, as always, um, and Thomas and McKenzie, who people know from Jojo Rabbit. Um, mm-hmm. But she's like really good in it. I think she won some like awards when this came out. Um, but it's a definitely a little movie. It never got like really a mainstream thing. But it was yeah. like, I think it was one of the movies, this is funny, the year it was released in 2018, there were two movies that were 100% in Rotten Tomatoes. This one and Paddington 2. <laughs> which I just saw recently. <laughs> which is really good. But yeah, Paddington, it's those movies surprising are that that would be those two. But it's such a, it's a nice, it's a character study. It's, a, it's about kind of him and his daughter. And he's a vet who has PTSD and they live off the grid in like Portland in the in the woods there and you know, they're told that they get, you know, they have to move around because they're not allowed to live there. It's public land mm-hmm. or whatever. And they get reintroduced into society and it's about whether they can do that or not. Um, and it's about her kind of 
coming to terms with lifestyle. Is it for her or is it not? And um, yeah, it's kind just, of a Captain Fantastic vibe. It really, it really kind of is. Yeah. And it's, you know, beautifully shot and just incredibly well acted. And, you know, it's, it's a character piece. It's the, the woman Deborah Granick directed who did Winter's Bone. Um, so it's, oh, it's, okay. it's more of a feel of a location and a time and uh-huh. less, less about like massive driving plot, but, um, enough does happen. You won't be bored. Um, I just think it's, it's a wonderful movie. All right. I'm, I'm seeing that soon. Uh, the next one for movies I love from 1981, I know you and I are both big, big, big fans of Albert Brooks. Um, and this, it's hard to pick a favorite, but modern romance you could make an argument for, for his best movie. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's definitely the least heralded of his masterpieces. Uh Um, but I think people that are real big fans of Albert might have it at the top. Um, it's just, it's so good and so funny and so Albert. I think it's the most Albert of any of his movies. (laughs) And they're Um, all Albert. (laughs) They're all Albert, but it's definitely the most Albert, I think. Um, and, the, you know, it's really kind of about his relationship and or non-relationship, however you look at it. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's just a couple of great sequences, too, where he, he gets, like, stoned and gets uh-huh. to listen to his albums. <laughs> it's so um, good. But my favorite thing is, like, he's a film editor or whatever, so there's this whole sequence where they're trying to do some Foley work on the Hulk running down a hallway, and they're trying to figure out what that would sound like. And <laughs> it's so funny. Um you have one of my favorite lines in here too. Uh, you've heard of a no one situation, right? No, Vietnam. This <laughs> yeah, <it's> so good. <laughs> Plus, Super Dave, his brother's in it. Like, works at the sporting goods store where he's buying some stuff. Oh, it's that's like a right. Funny little scene where he's trying to get him to upsell, but Albert doesn't want to get the thing, and he's like, "I misjudged you. I'm not perfect." <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, and and you know my favorite piece of trivia, which most people know, but some of the listeners might not, is that yes, Super Dave Osborne is Albert Brooks's brother in real life, Bob Einstein, and yes, his name was Albert Einstein. Yep, and I <laughs> feel like it. you know his dad was in show business or whatever. They probably did that as like, <laughs> why not? Fuck you, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, So obviously you changed it to Albert Brooks. Um, and yeah, this is definitely I thought was one of the ones to include because it's a little more off the beaten path. I think defending yeah. your life might be my favorite, but mm, so um, good. But yeah, I kind of love almost everything he's ever done. Yeah, uh, Mother, another great one. Yeah. Oh yeah, fantastic. So. Uh, the movie that I haven't seen that is on my list next is a movie called The Lookout. Yeah. Um, I thought about putting Brick in cause it's sort of similar and it's, but I also was like, what about the other Joseph Levitt, Gordon Levitt movie? That's very noir-y. I don't know how this got by me. I get, it's, yeah, I'm not sure. Like I didn't see it until it was on demand or whatever. Like I saw it on cable or something. Uh-huh. I definitely didn't see it when it was out in the theater. It was 2007. Um, and it's it's like a modern film noir caper film um, where it just kind of another one sort of like Blue Ruin where things kind of spiral out. Uh-huh. Um, but he plays uh, he was like a star athlete, a hockey player who has like a car accident. And then now he um, has a brain injury, so he can't remember things. So he kind of writes them all down in a little book as he goes. And his character's name is Chris Pratt. So there's that. <laughs> and Chris Pat, Pratt auditioned for it. And thought no he way. would get it because he's like, I'm Chris Pratt, but he didn't. <laughs> that isn't the trivia, evidently. You know, now that you're talking about the plot, it it is ringing a bell now. Because um, at first I thought I had not even heard of it, but 
I think I, I think I uh, does he sort of get brought along uh, yeah, as part so of he, a crime crew? Yeah, he works in a bank at night, like as a janitor. That's right. And so they cozy up to him. It's Matthew Good and then Isla Fisher. Um, I might have seen this actually. Now <laughs> that I'm thinking about it, Jeff Daniels has a beard. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just re- it's really good. It just it builds really well. Um, if you I've like seen that this kind movie. of movie, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it was 13 years ago when it came out. It's, you're I know. Yeah, Carla Gugino, totally. Alex yeah. Borstein, great cast. Good movie. I forgot all about it. <laughs> uh, all right, next movie I love is a movie uh, called My Favorite Year. Oh, so good. It's one of the classic, classic. Uh, Comedies and a, and a comedy that's uh, from 1982 that feels it's very much a throwback to to the golden age and its its plot is about that but the movie ends up feeling like that as well. Yeah, it was sort of like it, it takes place in like a live show, sort of like your show of shows. I think that's kind of what they were modeling it on. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Peter O'Toole plays this great actor plays himself actor, plays himself basically <laughs> who then comes to sort of guest host it's the equivalent of snl in that sense um but he's a notorious like womanizer and, and alcoholic and stuff so uh <laughs> mark lynn baker yes from perfect strangers um gets assigned to kind of keep tabs on him and uh it's really really funny um and i think he was nominated for an oscar for it peter o'toole didn't win but yeah. i think it's his best performance um, and it's infinitely quotable too. Um, my favorite line from it is there's like this, this party where he ends up like hanging off the balcony on a thing and two of the oh, party yeah. guests look down and one of them goes, I think Alan Swan's beneath us. And the other one says, of course he's beneath <laughs> us. He's an actor. It's such a good line. I know, it's so good. It's chock full of things like that. And one of the great posters too. Do you have this one in your collection? I do. Yeah. I, have I figured you did. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty classic. And Lenny Kazan is great too as uh, his mom and comes out wearing a wedding dress. Oh, that's right. Or his, yeah. one does, yeah. It's so good. I love it. All right. Next movie I haven't seen uh, is a movie called Predestination. And I don't know how this got by me because it's got a lot of things that I love. See, I only saw this recently. I saw this like a month or so ago and I okay. was just blown away by it. Um, and it was Ethan one Hawk. that I... I saw I saw it pop up like when it came out, but I just didn't really resonate with me. I don't think I think it had a very limited limited theatrical run. Yeah. Um, but I finally just got around to watching it, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Um, so sci-fi. Yeah, it's based on a short story by Robert A. Heinlein, um, and it's basically Ethan Hawke plays this guy who's a temporal agent. Basically, he time travels. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to fix some things. And the the central part of this is that there's a bomber that in like the 70s or whatever sort of is responsible for things that are like loss of human lives, massive loss. So he's been trying to stop this bomber but can't seem to get it right. Um, and then Sarah Snook, who gives like the best performance of that year, I think. If you watch it, you'll just be like blown away by it. Um, plays, uh, they don't actually have the names in it. She plays the unmarried mother and he's like, like known as the bartender because the central part of this is them talking in this bar for a while. And then you see uh-huh. flashbacks and things spiral out. Um, but it involves like, you know, time travel in ways that it's, I mean, it's just, it's just killer. It takes a little while. At first you'll be like, okay, what is this leading up to? But then when mm-hmm. it starts to go, it's just like one twist top after another 
to like you it'll just like you can't shake it it'll stay with you and you'll be thinking about it it made me want to watch the show dark afterwards because people recommended like if i like this i should watch dark because there's some similar themes and then oh, i yeah. watched dark and was just like we watched the three seasons in like two weeks and that was phenomenal too which is show on netflix um i've heard of that i've seen people chatting about it so yeah but this That's one i think you should watch like pretty immediately because i think you'll dig it okay all right i'll put, move that to the top of the list i love ethan hawk he's great he's He's an actor, I think, who has made really interesting choices over the years uh, because even the biggest movies that he's done, I think, have been pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of films he's done that are, I think, just sort of big budget stinkers. Yeah. I mean, I agree. He's done very, very interesting work throughout the years. And he's always, he's done tons of little indie movies with Richard Linklater. Yeah. Um, but then a bunch more too. I mean, I, the entire before trilogy could be on here before sunset, before yeah, sunrise. That, like all those, those, are, those are so good. I hope they never stop making those. And one of your honorable mentions is an Ethan Hawke movie, Gattaca, which I think is one of the most underrated sci-fi movies out there. Yeah. Gattaca boy. That's a movie I've seen probably four or five times and we'll, we'll always watch it if I happen to catch it at the right time. Yeah. It's really, really good. Uh, all right, movie I love, Seems Like Old Times, the Neil Simon classic, uh, Chevy Chase at his best, uh, Goldie Hawn at her best, Charles Grodin at uh, his uh, second best. I know that's your favorite role yeah. of Grodin's, but I- I'm going to have to go with uh, Midnight Express. Midnight Run? Or Midnight Run, yeah. Yeah, we not just, Midnight Express. <laughs> we literally just watched it like two weeks ago because my wife hadn't seen it, and I was doing this list together, and I was like, it's really good. What, Midnight uh, Run? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's just one of my favorite movies it's, ever. It's definitely fun. But to me, this is like Pete Grodin. But Midnight Run, I feel, is like the one that made people go like, oh, we like Charles Grodin a lot, even though right. we always did, but we didn't, <laughs> wouldn't vocalize it. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's so funny. It's so screwball and great. Um, and, and again, super quotable. Um, I always say, love that chicken pepperoni. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> Robert Guillaume's line. Um it's it's I think it's the, one of the ones that for some reason people just don't really know it when they should. Um, yeah, because it's it's a classic comedy. No, total classic. And Goldie Hawn is just so funny. Yeah, she's really really wonderful. Vintage vintage Goldie Hawn. Yeah. All right, movie I have not seen a movie called Promised Land. Yeah, speaking of, and I don't know how I didn't see this. Gus Van Zandt, I love him. Speaking of local hero, um, it's similar in the sense that. Basically, Matt Damon um, work is a salesman. He works for like this company that basically wants to f- like frack the properties of the people in the small town. So he's tasked with going there and trying to get them to sell and change their minds on basic oh. position. So, and then Hal Holbrook plays this retired teacher who's really kind of against it. So, in a sense, it sort of borrows that plot of Local Hero in a lot of uh-huh. ways. Um, and Francis McDormand plays like his sale buddy too, and she's just like beyond funny in this um she's just so good in everything she does obviously but um and you know it's just like a, it's like a little quiet nice like small town kind of movie but it also kind of plays with the themes of like you know energy get energy sources and moving forward and right you know what's what's worth sacrificing t- in order to keep things going and um and there's some you know good little twists in there too and i love matt damon too i think he's one that's just like really done interesting work outside of blockbusters too. Absolutely. 
And Scoot McNary's in it. And Scoot McNary and uh, an actor that I think is really, really underrated somehow still, uh, Rosemary DeWitt. Oh, yeah. Is so good in everything she does. Uh, and I feel like if you know who she is, you're a fan of hers and you and you like seek out her material. But if you're not, she just Google her and you'll see that face. You're like, oh, th- that lady from that thing that's so great always. Yeah, she's wonderful. And everybody, everybody's really good in it. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely like a more slight thing from Gus Van Sant, you might say. But I think it's like one of his best, honestly. Is this his straight story? It kind of is. Yeah, kind of is. All right. I'll check it out. I love Gus Van Sant. I just recently saw um, for the show, I saw uh, Paranoid Park for the first time. Oh, wow. So good. Uh, all right. Next one on my list of movies I love is Sing Street. Oh. Uh, another movie I saw on a plane that, it, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, see Sing Street, period. Full stop. Yep. <laughs> Especially if you like music and you grew up in the 80s, you'll love this movie. It's a very sweet story. It's a it's a coming of age movie. It's a romantic comedy in some ways, but that, you know. Don't hold that against it. Uh, set in in Ireland. It wasn't Scotland, was it? It was no, Ireland, it's Ireland, right? Yeah, it's in yeah, Dublin. And, yeah, in Dublin in the 80s. And it's just everyone in it is fantastic. And it's just, uh, the soundtrack is great. It's just such a sweet, lovable movie. And you just root for these characters so, so hard. It was my favorite movie that year, in 2016. Yeah. And um, I love, I mean, The Frames is my favorite all-time band, and that's Glenn Hansard and John Carney, who directed this, mm-hmm. was also in The Frames early on, but he directed once, and then he did Begin Again, and then this one, which is his third. And they just made a Broadway musical out of it, which was just about to open when the pandemic hit. Of um, Sing Street? Yeah. Oh, no way. Which I'd love to see, because the music's really, really good, too. Oh, it never got to open, huh? Nope. What a but, bummer. But yeah, this movie just, like, really resonated with me. Like anybody who's tried to like figure out who they are through music. Yeah. Like that's what this movie is. Um, especially at the time period too. It's just like, you know, cause obviously we both grew up in the eighties and stuff. So this is, this is right on. It's so good. Yeah. And, and feels very authentic. Like, uh, I think in Hollywood, this could have been a really bad movie almost. It, it could have been, just too, uh, it, it just feels real. It feels like real eighties and not showy. Like let's do like a Hollywood version of what the eighties look like, like Adam Sandler. I love Adam Sandler, but you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, yeah, I get my, one of my pet peeves in movies is when they're a period piece and they like shout it out all the time instead of just yeah. being in there. Like, right. I don't need you to be like, wow, this bubble tape is crazy. Right? Like, it don't don't shout out the things. Just have bubble tape there and don't draw attention to it. We'll notice. Yeah, that was like everything I hated about the wedding singer. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was only okay with it because it's such a broad comedy and not at all based in anything. Yeah, but, it was fine. I didn't yeah. hate it or anything. But yeah, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I just I really don't like it when they draw attention to the time period. If you're in the time period, it, it's it's right on. Yeah, because when you were in the time period, no one would sit around and say, "Wow, look at this thing that we all just." Have every day. <laughs> right. Wow, this Walkman uh, sure is swell. <laughs> All right. The next movie is a movie starring Frank Langella called Robot and Frank that I have never heard of. Ah, 
Well, this is one I saw on a plane. So there you okay. go. Um, and it was one that, you know, briefly played at the landmark down here. wasn't around for very long, but got generally good reviews. Um, and it felt like a plane movie in a sense that like, it's not a big screen thing. It's a very small movie. Um, but it put Frank Langella front and center, which doesn't happen that often. And it should, yeah. cause he's just so, so good. Um, and it's, it's a lot of basically like he's a jewel thief, a retired jewel thief, a cat uh-huh. burglar, if you will. Um, who's starting to suffer dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff. So he kind of can't be kept left alone. And James Marsden's his son, but he drives really far away to come and care for him periodically. So instead of doing that, he, he gets him basically a, a caretaker in this advanced AI robot um, who is Peter Sarsgaard voices. And uh, at first he's, you know, doesn't want to deal with it because the technology and feeling not personal or whatever. But then he realizes that, uh, the robot's capable of things and can help him get back to his life of crime. So it's it's pretty great. Um, cool idea. Yeah, it's a nice little movie. I waited on him once as a as a waiter at a restaurant in New Jersey. Frank Langella came in for lunch one day. Oh, nice. And uh, sat in my section. It was great. Nice. Gotta love that. But Big did tipper. He, did he tip well? <laughs> Tipped well. Very nice guy. Very kind. And he ate steak for lunch, which uh, I thought was... I don't know. It just seemed like a very Frank Langella Hollywood sort of move. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It does. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, next movie that I love is, uh, we referred to earlier, um, a movie called The Station Agent that is also uh, a Peter Dinklage jam and uh, has some of my favorite, I was going to say indie actors, but they've kind of all gone on to be in bigger things since then. Yeah. But at the time, they were pretty indie, I think. Um, Dinklage, of course, Patricia Clarkson, who... I've had a massive crush on my whole life, I feel like. And uh, Bobby Cannavale, who is just fantastic. I think it's the first thing I saw him in, actually. Yeah, I think it might have been the case with me, too. Yeah, none of them were like were only sort of on my radar at the time. It's 2003 or whatever. Um, in fact, the one, the biggest name in it for me at the time was Michelle Williams, because she's yeah. breaking out and stuff. And That's right. She's got a nice supporting role as kind of a, a, a love interest for Peter Dinklage's character. Um but it, it's just one of those. Tom McCarthy directed it. He's only made a couple of movies, but two of the three of them make an appearance on this list. Uh, he did The Visitor. Um, mm, great which movie. People love. And then Win Win, which makes an appearance here too. Um, Paul I've not seen that one. It's good. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, Station Agent, I think, is his crowning achievement. And it's it holds up 100%. Yeah, I lived in middle Jersey and central Jersey for a few years too after college. And this movie just really kind of kind of nailed that that scene of these small townships with the that have a train station and if it were not for the train station the town may not even be there anymore right uh just fantastic movie loved it loved it one of the great indies from the the early aughts yeah it's it's wonderful uh all right a movie that i don't know how i haven't seen because it Ticks a lot of boxes for me called Son of Rambo, R-A-M-B-O-W. I think that was for copyright reasons. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, yeah, it's just this little, like, British comedy um, that came out, you know, 2007, I think, um, which stars a young Will Poulter. I love Will Poulter. I think he's a great little actor who's starting to kind he's of good. break out. Yeah. He was supposed to play Pennywise. Uh, in oh. the It movies when uh, Kerry Fukuyama was attached to it and supposedly he gave like the creepiest audition ever and it was great and oh, I could really? see how he'd be great um, so I kind of bummed out that that didn't happen he's got those eyebrows he does he fully does you can kind of see it if you look at the photo on the thing uh -huh, totally looks Pennywise <laughs> um, but it, it, this literally like will resonate with you if you were like into movies and trying to make little movies when you were a kid because that's what yep. this is. That was um, awesome. They're inspired by you know the First Blood and the Rambo movies, so they kind of make their own version where he's like the son of Rambo. Um, 
and they try to do little, their own special effects and stuff and try to produce this thing. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, it will really definitely resonate with you if this was a thing you tried as a kid, which I think a lot of us did. And I definitely have one of the giant Panasonic, um, cameras you know yeah shoulder cameras yeah shoulder cameras <laughs> that you put the tape in and stuff so um yeah so it, it's and it's really wonderful a lot a lot of imagination in it stuff yeah, it's great i can't wait to see that right up my alley uh all right the next one that i loved is a was a big hbo movie for me in the 80s it came out in 79 but had a very healthy run on hbo in like the early 80s a movie called time after time uh, which is, and you kind of put it perfectly, it's H.G. Wells versus Jack the Ripper in 1979 San Francisco. Really unique uh, time travel sort of plot uh, featuring Malcolm McDowell and uh, David Warner, one of the great bad guys in movie history. Yeah. And my only thing is I just I haven't seen it in so long. I wonder how it holds up. I just watched it a couple of weeks ago because um, Jenny had never seen it. And she was interested in it. And it, it does hold up. It definitely does. What was interesting to me is like, you know, I spent a lot of time in the Bay Area and it's shot in San Francisco. Right. So some of the locations are like there's a chase scene in the Embarcadero and this is in 1979. And it looks like it doesn't like that area has not changed much at all. Yeah. So it was just weird to see it from <laughs> that era. And then they go to different yeah. areas too, and like, oh, that thing's not there. That thing's there now or whatever. So if you spend right. time in the Bay Area, that's kind of fun too. But just the idea, it's, it's, it almost feels like a Twilight zone kind of idea. Um, and it's really well done. And Mary Steenburgen is the love yeah. interest and also the one who kind of gets in the way of everything and, there's some time travel paradoxes that happen, but nothing major. It doesn't rely on that like a lot of time travel movies do. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's definitely really imaginative. And Nicholas Meyer did it, who did Star Trek Two and stuff. So it's it's really good. You know what? I watched the other night that somehow I had never seen before. Another San Francisco movie from back then is Bullet. Yeah. I've never seen Bullet. And I, I was like, wait a minute. Of course I've seen Bullet, but I hadn't seen Bullet. It's so much, it's so great. I love the car chases, even though they jump around, like they're not realistic as opposed to where they are in San Francisco. It'll be like they round a corner oh, and right. like, oh, now they're 30 yeah. miles down there. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really like amazing. There's a movie called The Laughing Policeman from the 70s with Walter Matthau, which, where he's not comic at all. Like he plays oh. a detective in San Francisco. Um and there's some chase scenes in that that are very realistic in terms of the geography, like yeah. they follow a trajectory, which I appreciated. Um, that's what I thought about putting on here too. Um, it's pretty pretty cool. I love Mathau. Uh, all right, and the last one I have on my list of movies I haven't seen is a movie called Starter for Ten. This is another one of those. Oh my gosh, the cast is stacked, but you didn't necessarily know it at the time because uh, it came out in 2006. Yeah. And, um, it's again, crazy. It's, it's set in the eighties, so it's got an awesome new wave soundtrack, but James McAvoy is the lead and he enrolls at Bristol and he tries out for their, their quiz team, which is called university challenge. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, pub quiz stuff, but then they go and compete in things. And, mm-hmm. uh, Alice Eve is the love interest initially, but also Rebecca Hall is the one that like he should She's be great. with, you know, and, um, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch plays a really nerdy member of the thing. Um, James Corden shows up, um, Mark Gaddis, also from um, Sherlock, 
it's it's just it's really really good um so it's like, it's, it's just like a fun pleasant romantic comedy with mm-hmm. that kind of 80s backdrop and a bevy of great comedic character actors from britain sign me up all you had to say was 80s new wave there you go <laughs> All right, those are all on those two lists. And then a few honorable mentions I have, and, and you can chime in with some too. Uh, Midnight Special, uh, a movie that I thought was really good. I, I feel like it got kind of mixed reviews, um, but I, I thought it was really a pretty good movie. I thought it was too. It really reminds me of Starman. I think I put that in there, but yeah. it has that same kind of feeling, very John Carpenter-esque in its delivery and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but it's got a great cast like it's stacked and it's really interesting to watch um i think it suffers from the when the reveal isn't it can never be what you want it to be in your mind yeah maybe i didn't mind it but then i I don't want to give anything away but like it's the same thing of like if you talk something up for a long time and it's in your imagination the reveal 95% of the time is not going to be satisfying to you. That's why yeah. shows that are predicated on not knowing stuff and figuring stuff out, the conclusions are really tough. That's why Lost kind of suffered at the end because it was about not knowing and trying to figure things out. And then when they yeah. kind of explain things, it's, the explanation will never be what you want it to be. And you have to realize it was the journey. It's not the destination that was what it was. And I think that's the same way with Midnight Special. Yeah, really good movie directed by uh, Jeff Nichols, who did uh, another movie with Michael Shannon, who was in this, uh, called Take Shelter, which is a great, great movie as well. Um, and yeah. Michael Shannon is just, he's hes one of the best. Everything that he's in is great. And Joel Edgerton, too. I love him a lot. Yeah. Did you see the one he directed with uh, Bateman? No, The Gift? Yeah. I've been meaning to. I've heard it's really that's good. really good, too. Yeah. It's been sitting in my queue for a long time, but I haven't turned on it yet but all right so another honorable mention uh why not more scoot mcnary that's right and we can talk about the movie monsters uh director gareth edwards uh, i guess it was his first movie right yeah i think so at least it's the one that put him on the map yeah a movie about uh well monsters it's it's a it's a creature movie but a creature movie done on a budget and he really and this is why he went on to get big big jobs because they were like, how did you do this movie for the for the amount of money that you did it with? Yeah. I mean, he got tapped to do Godzilla reboot right after this. Yeah. Um, which is like pretty – you would never hear that usually. A studio wouldn't be like, oh, the guy that did that little movie that no one saw? Um, sure. Let's give him the reins of a massive franchise reboot. But there is – like the effects work on this, considering what he had to work with, is phenomenal the creatures when you do see them are rendered mm-hmm. in such a way that it's like they look great and and an interesting creature design it's not something you've seen before yeah yeah totally and that's hard to do yeah uh there's only so many directions you can you can go there uh the next one for my honorable mention is a perfect getaway and i'm glad you put this on the list because at first blush you see a movie about this uh couple that goes on this vacation and they meet some people and then things go bad. It like, it just sort of reeks of, of could be a a pretty bad movie, but it's, it's a lot of fun actually. (laughs) 
It is. I think it's actually the David Tui directed it, and he's also on this list with The Arrival, that Charlie Sheen sci-fi movie from the '90s, which I really enjoy. Did not um, see that either. You should check it out. It's way better than you think it would be. Um, but it's uh, it's really well done, and it has twists in it that are great. Um, and the cast is just like superb. Um, I mean, if you like Timothy Oliphant, which I really do, it's yeah, like, me too. like quintessential Steve Zahn. Yeah. yeah. And Chris Hemsworth shows up before you really know who Chris Hemsworth was. Totally. 2009. Um, but it's, yeah, it's super, super enjoyable. And like I say here, it goes off the rails in the last third. So, uh, it will reward you sticking with it, even though it's never boring, but it just, it goes crazy. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, like if I was ever a director, one thing I would love to hear people say is um, the movie was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is sort of a premise where it looks like it could be like a, a Eli Roth kind of thing. Right. But it's much, much better than that. Yeah. It's suspenseful. It's funny at times. Um, and it's character driven, but not in a way that slows anything down. Yeah, Totally. Uh, the Proposition is another honorable mention, another outback uh, sort of noir western uh, with Guy Pierce. Just fantastic, fantastic movie. If you love westerns like me, you got to see The Proposition. Yeah, and it's a different kind of western. It's super brutal, yeah. um, but Nick Cave wrote it in like three weeks, um, and Nick Cave is the man. So Yes, um, he is. And the score is great, too, because he did it. With um, Yeah, it's so good, and uh, don't let it... Don't let the violence put you off. It's not that bad, but yeah. it's it's really, really well done. Yeah, it's no bone tomahawk. No, which I'm surprised isn't on your list. Actually, I can't get I can't make myself watch it. Oh, you haven't seen it? <laughs> no, because I just know kind of I've been told kind of what happens, and I'm like, yeah, I can't really handle that. I'm not good with gore. All right, I, I mean, know. there is that one thing, but it is such a good movie, dude. I love Kurt Russell and I love westerns. So, oh God, you got to see know. it and just look away during that scene. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really, I mean, it's violent, of course, but that, yeah, that scene is pretty legendary at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then the last honorable mention I have is a movie that I don't know how it it sort of flew under the radar, but because uh, it had a lot of big stars in it and it was very funny. A movie called Zero Effect. Yeah, that's uh, Jake Kasdan, who yep. um, has made a lot of little cool little movies that people aren't that aware of. Um, but this, to me, is the best um, Bill, Bill Pullman um, performance in a film. Yeah, he's so good. He's, he's so good in it, playing an eccentric detective that is beyond eccentric. Like, if you thought Sherlock Holmes was eccentric, you have not met Daryl Zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Ben Stiller kind of plays is perfectly cast as the, he basically his assistant who's just perturbed by everything all the time and is on his last nerves with him. Um, yeah, but kind of looking at Jake Caston's list, he's I thought Orange County was kind of fun even. Yeah, and another of the movies I had on this list is a Jake Caston movie, is the TV set. I didn't see that. You should see that. It's yeah, really funny, and it's uh, I mean, it's again, it's an inside baseball on how a TV pilot is made, right? But it, but it shows you like how much inter studio interference there is, um, everything that he has to try to figure out, and how he basically has to sell his soul down the river a little bit each day to make to have it go. Um, to turn out to be like, is this something he's proud of? Is it his vision? How much will he compromise? Um, and it's really funny too. So, yeah, I recommend that a lot. Did you have any other honorable mentions you want to throw out there? 
Um, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite Westerns is on here, which is from the 60s, which is The Professionals. Okay. Uh, it's Lee Marvin and Burt Lancaster, oh, yeah. um, Woody Strode, Robert Ryan, Jack Palance. Um, it's great. It's like super Richard Brooks directed it, who did a lot of like a lot of the Tennessee Williams movies in the 50s and 60s. But uh, it's definitely a rip roaring Western. I would describe it that way. It's action packed <laughs> and it moves at a good clip. And they, yeah, you know, from the first 10 minutes with how the, all the characters are introduced that you're in for a fun time. All right, the professionals. What else you got? Um, let's see. I would say, do, 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 do. Uh, Frank. I enjoyed a lot. I don't know if you saw that. I haven't. Yeah, well, I, I did see Frank. Um, and John Ronson is actually a, a loose pal of mine. I've hung out with him a few times. He's been on the show before, and uh, is just a great, great dude. Yeah, it's um, it's I think is my favorite Michael Fassbender performance, even though he's under a giant paper mache head for ninety five percent of the movie. Um, but it's again like it's an eccentric movie about a band and uh, led by Frank, who has some mental issues, but is also a very creative um, guy. And then Domhnall Gleeson kind of plays the kid who kind of gets involved with them. And then the first like five minutes of the movie. Uh, you kind of hear Donald Gleason trying to write a song by what he's looking at at the beach, and it's just so funny to me. Um, and uh, Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary. So, <laughs> you can't beat that. Um, so you know the story there. It's based on a true story. Um, John Ronson wrote it, and John knew uh, the guy in real life who – he wasn't – what was his name? I'm trying to look it up now. Do you know this? Did you know it was a, I didn't, a true story? I didn't story? know it was true, no. Uh, Frank Sidebottom. That's it. Okay. Uh, Frank Sidebottom in the uh, in England did the same thing, and Ronson was friends with him, and then ended up writing this movie, sort of about a character like completely based on him, basically. Yeah, it's really the music's actually really good. I mean, it's experimental at times, and you're just like, what are they doing? Um, and then they they record an album in like the we're going to go into the wilderness and use weird unconventional instruments and all sorts of strangeness, which is pretty funny too. Um, but I recommend that one. Um, yeah, just go down a, a Frank Sidebottom Google rabbit hole uh, at some point, and it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. I'll have to do that. Um, I'd also recommend I just watched this one a month ago, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah, I haven't seen that somehow. I, I heard it was great. It's beautiful to look at like it's one of the best looking movies i've ever seen in terms of like shooting a city uh -huh. um and it's like the first five minutes like it, it's got an opening sequence that's just like breathtaking um and it's it's definitely a kind of a bit of a character study it's about um this guy who uh he's kind of crashing with a friend um up at hunter's point um it's basically about gentrification and how yeah. the city changes but there's a, a big house this beautiful house uh, done like the Knob, Knob Hill area that uh, the main character, the um, uh, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, I'll check it out in a second. Uh, he basically believes his grandfather built it, and he constantly goes to the outside and tries to improve it because the current tenants aren't doing enough. And mm -hmm. um, then early on, they move out, and so it's about him trying to like kind of restore this house and kind of feel normal again, feel back like he's part of the city again. Um, so it definitely does a lot um, with. Like I said, my thing, it's like a love letter and a letter to the editor to San Francisco. So right, um, yeah. it's definitely has its critiques on it, but it's also just like so loving. Um, 
and just so well executed. Um, Jimmy Fails is the main guy, and he also wrote the film, and it's loosely based on his story. Um, and Jonathan Majors is his best friend in it, who's kind of blown up right now. He was in Defy Bloods, and he's going to be in that Lovecraft com country um, show on HBO. But I haven't seen Defy Bloods yet. That's it's really good too. It can be. I a heard tough, it's, it's so divisive. It's it can be a tough watch at times. Uh-huh. Uh, but Delroy Lindo is like next level. God, on I it. love him. Like it's. I don't know how the Oscars are going to be this year. I don't know yeah. how that's going to shake out. But I, if there's a lock, it's Delroy Lindo being nominated at least and maybe Artie's great yeah yeah I think the last thing I heard was that they were delaying the Oscars and extending the uh, qualification period into next year a little bit Um, but even that is going to be like (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be weird it's going to be strange I mean it's going to be weird to see it like the Netflix Academy Awards but right (laughs) it's probably going to be they're loving it and I, I think I'll just shout out one more um, and that's uh, the hunt for the wilder people. Yes, of course. Which is like the f- like early Taika Waititi. It's yeah, so great. Um, Julian Dennison, who plays Ricky Baker, uh, is so funny in it, um, and it's just charming and like goofily told. <clears throat> yeah, and like great, you know, New Zealand cinema. And plus, you get Sam Neill as like a crotchety old farmer, so it's. It's it's really great. It's 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 like a wonderful little movie. It is, and it's it was uh, it really like encapsulated the promise of what was to come from uh, Taika Waititi. It's just amazing. Yeah, there's there's. I mean, it's hard to like only shout out a few things because I love everything on this list. But right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's definitely one of the my favorites on here. Yeah, and we got to leave stuff for people to go. Uh, you know, throw back to the the early aughts and get you some. Some blog web hits, get you some page views. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, people, the feedback's been really positive so far. People have just kind of said, like, these are great, or I love some of these movies, or there hasn't been. I think the only sort of pushback I got at all was something people being surprised that I had, like, Hell or High Water on here because it was uh-huh. nominated for an Oscar. And I was like, yeah, but I, I it's I, still pretty. So many yeah. people I talked to have never seen it. Uh, same thing, Short Term 12, which I love, oh God, love, what a love, great love. movie. It's so good. It was my favorite movie that year, but it didn't really, no one's really seen that either. So there's some stuff that's yeah. a little more populous in a sense that it was acclaimed. It is on a lot of people's radars, but it's still not on other people. The um, list was not obscure films from Cole Stratton. It is uh, lesser known, and I think I think it qualified perfectly. I think you did a great job. Thank you. And I also try to pick stuff that's relatively entertaining, you know, that isn't right. like so arty that you're going to be like, why am I watching the paint dry here? You know, right. like some movies are, <laughs> I feel like most of these movies are a good time. Um, or at least we'll get an emotional reaction out of you. Totally, man. Uh, well, you spent a lot of time on it. It's a great list. Um, I think it's going to serve this audience well because people are always sharing great, um, recommendations on the movie crushers page. And so go check out at colestratton.com or where can they pick you up on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I'm at Cole Stratton on Twitter and I'm at Stratton Cole on Instagram. I believe <laughs> I, think, I was getting confused, but I'm pretty sure that's what I it think is. You said that last time you were confused. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I think I got Cole Stratton cause I was on early on that train. Yeah, um, yeah. But I came later to Instagram and that was not available. So that's why I flipped that it. other Cole Stratton I got know. you. There is a, there is, I'm friends with him on Facebook. One of them. <laughs> And he, uh, he's like a snowboarder in like Colorado or something. Of course he is. You but, have a very snowboarder name. But he like, he like 
requested me. So I was like, oh, it'd be funny or whatever. But then sometimes my family will be like saying something that he'll weigh in just to be a jerk. And <laughs> like, they'll be like, they'll be like, cool. What are you? And I was like, that's not, it's not me guys. It's the yeah, other. Just shut up and go, go snowboard. <laughs> right. It's pretty, pretty smart, pretty funny, but. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Cole. Uh, thanks for coming on. Go check out that list and watch these movies. And we'd love to hear back from you. I'll post it on the, uh, I, I was going to wait to post it until this episode came out. So I'll post it. Uh, I think in a couple of weeks and this comes out. Awesome. Sounds great, man. All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. Movie Crush is produced, edited, and engineered by Ramsey Yunt here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.